Hello and welcome to the Daily Claims Podcast, where we talk about life as an insurance adjuster from the perspective of property, auto, liability, and workers' compensation adjusters. My goal is to bring interesting topics in the world of claims adjusting to people who are working as an adjuster now and to people who are considering a career as a claims adjuster. So today I would like to talk a little bit about mentorship in this business. I entered the business back in 1996 at the suggestion of my what would eventually be my father-in-law. He approached me one day. I had been working in construction and he asked me if I would be interested in becoming a claims adjuster. And I said, sure, what's a claims adjuster? So he explained to me what it was, and there were a lot of things about property adjusting that seemed very appealing to me, particularly because at that time I was I was fairly young and healthy, and I knew looking around me that some of the older guys I worked with uh, were wearing out. You know, the construction life is tough on a body. And I knew that uh, I should probably find something that was a little less strenuous and would allow for a longer and healthier life. So anyway, that was somewhere around 1994-95. And I had graduated college. I had a bachelor's degree, so that was a good start. And I had some construction experience. But what I didn't have was any claims adjusting experience. And I did not yet have a license as an adjuster. And back then, in the mid-1990s, it was difficult to find study material to prepare for the exam. There were books out that were available. I think they were called Werbel, W-E-R-B-E-L. I don't know if those are still around, but somebody scared a couple of those books up for me and I was able to study those eventually. But the path that I took to get to the licensing stage was really just interviewing with carriers for open positions. And that was tough because, as I said, I did not have any adjuster experience. And one after the other would tell me that they were looking for somebody with some experience, which is reasonable. I get it. One carrier stated that they wanted someone with no experience because they had their own training program and they preferred to get people in that really didn't have any experience so that they didn't have any bad habits. I get that too. But they were not really in a position to hire. They were really just gathering candidates together at that point and never got a call back for that one either. So in comes my future father-in-law. He, he helped me search. And if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for him, first of all, I probably would not have gotten into this field. I may have through some other avenue, I guess, but he is the real reason that, I'm, that I am an adjuster. And he was very important to the reason I got my first job. It was a friend of a friend and wound up going actually to work for one of his competitors. He was an independent adjuster also. And back then, the adjusting business where I came up was in Buffalo, New York. And there was a lot of independent adjusters and vendors that served insurance companies. And there were many more insurance companies headquartered or with large offices in the Buffalo area back then. The Buffalo Claims Association was always very large. And, you know, at the suggestion of my father-in-law and my new boss, uh, I joined that group. And uh, eventually I came across what uh, became a friend of mine. I don't exactly remember where we met, but I think it was a Buffalo Claims Association ordeal. Anyway, he was um, a real friendly guy, very tall, one of the tallest people in the room wherever you went. And we got to talking and he was a CPCU. And that intrigued me. It's the first time I really discovered that there was this secondary educational aspect to being 
in the claims business and that that education actually carried some weight and that if you had a designation like a CPCU, you were more likely to be hired and more likely to be promoted within your organization. And that's that's where Mike came in. He kind of became someone that I aspired to be like, actually. And he had the CPCU and the AIC. And as I got to know him and as he kind of mentored me through my early years in claims, I realized that, uh, yeah, I, I want to be like Mike. So I went out and started to study the the coursework offered by what is now called the Institutes. And uh, I went through what was then called the INS program. And I think that was three quick courses. And I think today it's like four and it's called the AINS. And I do recommend that if you're, if you are an aspiring adjuster or a new adjuster that needs to learn more about the business, go do that for sure. Mike also had the AIC. So after the AINS, I went and I started to study for the AIC. And this is a really interesting story to me anyway. Mike had established a training program for the property part of the AIC. And he would get students to come once a week to a classroom setting. And we would all sit and listen to him teach us all about property claims through the uh, AIC program. And that was great. And I really wish that he would have done the same for the other uh, four modules in that course. But he focused on the on the property. And it's funny because the property one is the one that uh, really benefited me the least because I, I really kind of excelled as a property guy because of my construction background anyway. And by that time, I had about four. No, uh, I took that course. In fact, I just had an email from him. I just found an email from him uh, from 2015 where he asked me what year I I took that course from him. It was 1997 or 98, so it's only two years into my career. So part of mentorship is blazing a trail of your own to inspire other people to do the same. And I think that's what Mike did for me anyway by getting the advanced education in the CPCU and the AIC. And uh, I recommend you do that. In the claims industry, another piece of mentorship is establishing friendships in the industry. And and Mike did that as well with a lot of people. I'm talking about Mike in the past tense. And the reason for that is he passed away last week. So in his passing reminds me that being a mentor is very important and that it can have a lasting effect on a person's career and can also have a personal lasting friendship. And with regard to mentorship, the claims industry in my, in my area anyway, in the Buffalo, Rochester, upstate New York area, the claims community of vendors and, and carriers tends to be a somewhat tight-knit group. It always kind of has been. Everybody kind of knows each other, and not everybody gets along all the time, for sure. But it is important to become part of that community wherever you might live, if there is one. And if there isn't one, do what you can to try and make one. Claims associations uh, exist in most major cities. We do not have one here in Rochester. I don't really know why, but it would be something that would be nice to have here in Rochester. But we have one, a very vibrant one in Buffalo. There's a large group in Syracuse and the Utica Claims Association and the Albany Claims Association. And I may be leaving some out. And I, I know not everybody is from this area to know where these cities are, but they are all across from east to west in the state of New York. 
And if you live in a city or town that does not have a claims association, uh, check around with vendors that provide services to insurance companies. And also check with other adjusters within those insurance companies and claims managers and see if there's any interest. I think it's important in this industry to have those resources available, not just for training, but also for social things, because the industry is kind of running short on people lately. If you go on the internet and Google around for claims adjuster jobs, there's plenty of them out there. There's also a lot of training out there, um, me included. I, you know, I have a training program underway myself. And part of the reason for that is that there is a shortage of people. Now, I have been actively gathering resumes to build a roster of folks here in New York State and potentially across the country for services that we might be able to provide elsewhere. And it is, it's, it's a very, been very quiet in that regard. My clients that are seeking adjusters for full-time roles tell me that, that they're having a difficult time finding candidates as well. And it's not too hard to imagine why the average age of the claims adjuster across the country, I think, is somewhere in the 50s, late 40s, early 50s. So it means that more people are going to be retiring out of this industry than are coming in. So it's really good that all of these different training programs out there are doing what they're doing because hopefully it will get people more interested in the career. And it is a good job. I did a, uh, I mean, I'm on TikTok way too much and I'm embarrassed to say that. There was one TikTok video I did where I talked about this job and, and why I like it so much and that sometimes your dream career finds you. This job as an adjuster is not what anybody sets out to do, but it has the requirements of some skill sets that some people, me included, excel at for whatever reason. And there's a lot of value in doing something simple, but doing it really well. And that's how I feel about claims. It always seemed like it was not a difficult job. And sometimes when you take a simple job and just become really, really good at it, you become very, very proficient in the minutia of the job in a way that makes you stand out as an expert or a pro. And another thing I tell people is that in order to be the very best at what you do, you only have to be a little bit better than everybody else. And that's not really that hard sometimes. I have another Mike story. So we stayed in touch. I, I jumped around uh, from an that independent adjusting firm to a carrier role and I would often call him with questions about a, a claim that I was stumped on or whatever. Eventually, I made it to another carrier and made it to the role of vice president of claims. And he was claims manager at the carrier he was with. And I remember he, uh, I think he emailed me. He said, well, the student has surpassed the teacher. And that made me smile. I can't remember my direct response to him, but it was something like, it's, it's just a title, you know. And even through that role, I was there for 10 years in that role. I still contacted him a lot for advice and as we both grew older he would do the same to me not as often as I'd call him though then eventually I went off on my own and became an independent adjuster and you know I, I reached out to a lot of different potential clients him included but I felt weird pursuing him as a client and it took actually 
it took like four, three or four years before he actually became a client. And I don't know why. It, it just, it seemed weird to, to be working for him after all those years. But I wound up doing a lot of work for him. But we're talking about mentorship here. And I don't want to bring everybody down with my sad stories. So another, uh, another aspect of mentorship that has always kind of surprised me. It's a, it's a thing that kind of sneaks up on you, I think, because as you become more proficient in what you do, whether you've been doing it for a, a year or 20 years, there are things that you learn along the way that someone else may not know. And imparting that knowledge to someone else is part of mentorship. So I guess what I'm saying is that if you see somebody in your realm who appears to be struggling, there's two ways you could handle it, potentially. One is to not do anything and just sit back and watch the train wreck. And the other thing is that you can do is to actually step in and, and help them and maybe make a suggestion and hey, say, hey, you know, not for nothing, I noticed that you're struggling with this and I was too, and here's what I did and it's helped a lot. So give that a try if you want. It's difficult because if you're always the, the person running around telling everybody else how to do their job better, that's not good either. But mentorship is recognizing when help is genuinely needed and knowing when to give it. Because there's, you know, there is also some value in letting someone learn their own way around. I remember when I was a kid, my little sister came up and the, the oven door was open and she was tiny little thing and she walked over and put her hand on the oven and nobody saw her in time to stop her it was like one of those situations where you just turn around and it happens we didn't have a meeting prior to that incident to explain to everybody not to touch the stove we didn't have an instruction session about the stove with a four-year-old kid but she learned really quickly not to do that anymore so sometimes when you leave people to their own devices, they learn. And sometimes that hurts a little bit, but that's part of life. Sometimes when you get stung, that's <laughs> one of the best ways to cement a lesson into your memory. And sometimes it's when someone who cares enough to recognize when you need help swoops in and gives you a hand. That's a really good way to cement something into your memory as well. If you find yourself in... The role of being a mentor as part of your job, in other words, that's a job duty that you have, is to be a mentor, is to not take that lightly um, because you're not going to be effective if you don't really care. And I think if you want to really demonstrate that you care, the best way to do that is to relate stories from your past about who may have mentored you along the way. That's really what I'm doing right here. You know, I'm talking about Mike and how he helped me through my entire career. Like, even today, I will say that if, if I can help one person in my career as much as Mike has helped me in mine, I will be a satisfied retiree someday. One of the most peculiar things about TikTok, and this is why I still go back there, is that I get messages from people who are who either want to become an adjuster or are currently an adjuster and they ha have a question. And I don't do a lot of videos where I ask people to co contact me if they have a question, but they just do. And I'm more than happy to answer. I give them my email every time. And I, I've talked to them on the phone. I've emailed them. 
I will always review a resume. If someone wants a resume critique, I mean, I have this is an open invitation right here to anybody listening. If you're in the business right now and, or, or want to get into the business and you want a resume review, send it over. It hasn't been that I've had so many of them that I don't have time to look them over and give some opinion. If that ever happens, I'll be uh, surprised, but I'll, and I'll, I'll let everybody know. But that kind of thing is, it's amazing that the internet exists in the way it does today and allows that kind of communication to happen. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about you're kind of, you get taken by surprise as you learn things and they become ingrained in your behavior and your, your knowledge base. And you forget that there's people out there that don't know this stuff or don't know how to do this thing. So a lot of the comments or questions I get on TikTok, I have to remind myself that, oh yeah, that person doesn't know that. Well, there'd be no reason for them to know that if they're not in the claims business. On our clubhouse yesterday, there was a question. Uh, they didn't know what the phrase daily claims meant. Be honest, I, I don't think I was familiar with that, that phrase daily claims either until about maybe 10 years ago. Uh, anybody who doesn't know what daily claims is, that, that is just an independent adjuster or staff adjuster that handles claims pretty much in their own backyard. So they're, they have a maybe a dedicated office they go to or they work from their home, but they handle claims in their own territory and they don't pack up and go to another state to handle catastrophe losses like hurricanes and hailstorms and floods and tornadoes. That would be a cat adjuster versus a daily claims adjuster. And the work I do with my independent adjusting firm are daily claims, uh, but they are focused on general liability. So why would someone want to be a mentor anyway? Why do I care to teach anybody else about the job that I do? Because I don't have to tell anybody anything, not teach anybody anything except the people who work for me. One could argue that by me teaching everybody else how to do my job, I'm at the risk of losing business because they would take my job away. You know, maybe someone else is going to go start another independent adjusting firm just like mine and take all my business. Yeah, I, I don't believe that for a second, for one thing. There's a lot of claims out there, and there's not enough people to handle them. We've already talked about this. As long as there's insurance, there's going to be claims, and as long as there's claims, it's, there's going to be a need for claims adjusters. So in spite of the fact that there's this potential risk that someone could steal my lunch here, and in spite of the fact that it actually takes time to talk to people on the phone or respond to these TikToks or even make these TikToks or make the training material that I make, like that's a lot of work. So why do all that? What what is the what is the drive to be a mentor in this business? And the only thing I can say is it's it's how I was brought up in the business that the people who know help the people who don't know. That's what all it's about. It's like being hardwired for that. And maybe that's a personality thing. Maybe. Maybe some people get mentored throughout their career like, like I do and, and they don't really feel like they need to pass that knowledge on or teach anybody else or pay it forward is really what it is. But that's it. That, that's it. You get mentored by other people who you respect and who become friends and then, and then those friends pass away and you realize how important they were in your life and there's like no other thing you can do but continue that kind of a, a legacy. I mean, that doesn't just apply to claims. That applies to so many things in life. Now, I normally don't get this philosophical in these podcasts, but 
my best recommendation to network is to get into claims, like like I said earlier, the claims associations near you. If you don't have one near you, set one up. Find people in your industry that live where you do. And even if it's just three people, get together once a month for, for coffee and then eventually build it from there. Invite someone else. And before you know it, you know, you'll have 10 people and then 20 and then 100. And if you're a business owner like I am, networking like that is invaluable. You can't buy advertising that can help as much as a good networking system in place. I say system, but it's really just getting out there and meeting people, inviting people, helping people, and mentoring people, to my mind. Another good resource for that kind of thing is the CPCU Society. Most cities will have a local chapter of the CPCU Society. And if you've taken, I think, just a couple of CPCU courses, you can be a, uh, I think you can join as a member with just a few courses under your belt. But they often have events where you don't even have to be a CPCU at all to be invited. Another good organization to check out is a CLM, whether you're in property or liability. The CLM is affiliated with the institutes as well. So they have events throughout the year, educational events, networking events. That's another good place to get involved. So my final word is this. If you have been in this industry for five minutes or 50 years, look back at the folks that taught you something along the way and make sure you thank them. And likewise, if you've been in the industry for five minutes or 50 years, look around for people who might need help, people who are struggling, and when appropriate, offer the help that they need. Be the mentor. If you're lucky, you might both get a friend out of the deal. Thanks for joining us again on the Daily Claims Podcast, where we talk about life as an insurance adjuster. Hit that subscribe button real quick and tell all of your adjuster friends to check this out as well. Join me and Chantal Roberts on the Clubhouse app every other Tuesday, where we head up the Art of Adjusting room and discuss all kinds of exciting insurance topics. For anyone interested in becoming a claims adjuster, you will need to get on Facebook right now and search for the Adjuster Manuals Facebook group. You will find helpful posts for anyone new to adjusting, including training opportunities and licensing coursework. For independent adjusting services, go to www.auten.claims. And for anyone interested in working as an independent liability adjuster, go to www.auten.claims/fqs and scroll down to the skills assessment button to fill out your information and we'll get back to you right away.